0: Welcome to the Doe Valley Ministry Podcast, where you can find faithful teaching and preaching of the Word of God. We continue our study of the life of Christ this morning in Mark chapter 6, verse 30 to 34. Mark chapter 6, verse 30 to 34. If you remember here in chapter 6, Jesus was rejected in his hometown. He left there, continued to minister around Galilee. And he sent the 12 out, sent his 12 disciples, 12 apostles out on a quick missionary journey. And while they were gone, Mark flashes back to the beheading of John the Baptist. And now we come to verse 30. Then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said to them, Come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest for a while. For there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. So they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. But the multitude saw them departing, and many knew him and ran there on foot from all the cities. They arrived before them and came together to him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them, because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. In our scripture lesson this morning, we see similar things happen as before. And we're really getting to the point now where this is the height of Jesus' ministry. This is really the peak of his popularity as well. And we see the apostles return from their ministry journey, their ministry expedition. They went out together in pairs. And no doubt in the apostles' lives it was a very exciting and productive time for them. They had been training with the master. Learning from him. And now the Master sends them out to do some of their own teaching and healing. And now they have came, came back. Their journey has ended. And as they gather around Jesus, I'm sure they all wanted to talk at once and tell him all about their adventures and their successes. How they healed people. How they cast out demons. How they preached and taught to the crowds. And how they saw people's hearts turn in repentance. And I can understand why they'd want to get back. And I can just see them all wanting to talk at once. Because what a wonderful and exciting time in their life it must have been. And what wonderful and exciting stories they must have had. And as we've looked at some of the traits and characteristics of the apostles for the past few months now we pretty much know what they were like. They were pretty hyper, some of them. They were impatient, they were excited, they were ready to act, ready to jump out and do something. And so I imagine them all kind of gathering around, kind of all coming in together. And as with most conversational stories, everyone is kind of listening and everyone wants to chime in. And then the stories kind of maybe get a little bit bigger and better as uh, more and more people tell them. Everyone's got a story. And we're like that today, too, if you've ever talked to people and you start to tell a story, you know, about something. Uh, Maybe it's about your car or about a trip you took or, you know, about your garden. And someone else tells a better story than that. It's a bigger tomato or it was something else. And I can imagine that's the way their stories were going as well. Each one was trying to make their story more interesting and more exciting than the others. And here's Jesus in the middle of this. Not only are the apostles gathered around him, but the multitudes, the crowds as well. And there's Jesus just listening, patient and with enthusiasm to his students to his apostles. Now, as I mentioned, if you remember from our our scripture last week, a group of John the Baptist's disciples approached Jesus and informed him right at this time as well about the sad news, about the beheading of John by Herod. And amazingly, Jesus is listening to the apostles with excitement, and with enthusiasm, with patience. But at the same time, Inside, he's feeling this intense sadness for the loss and the death of the greatest man ever born to a woman and the last of the Old Testament prophets. And not only that, but John the Baptist was a friend and family member of Jesus'. What a difficult position to be in being excited for your group of 12, being patient with them, and enthusiastically listening to them, all while deeply hurting and deeply grieving the loss of a loved one and a great man on the inside. So Jesus listens to these stories for a while, and he knows that it's time for some rest again. It's time to reflect. On some of the events that occurred. And continue and consider. Their next step in ministry. Because he knows. This is the height of his his ministry. This is the peak of his popularity. And he knows what's going to happen. So he needs to prepare. His disciples for that. Jesus knows that. Doing God's work is extremely important. But to do it effectively. We need periodic rest. And renewal. So Jesus invites them to a secluded place for some rest and from from some privacy from the crowds. So they get on their boat and they're ready to head out, but the, the crowds keep coming. Some come because of Jesus's popularity. Some have no doubt followed the apostles back. Some have also no doubt showed up because they were outraged at John the Baptist's death. But whatever the reason was for the crowd being there, they were there. And there were lots of them. So Jesus and the apostles jump in their boat, start to cross the the, the Sea of Galilee once again. The people kind of wait for a minute, look out and say, oh, they're going in that direction. Let's go. So the people take off by foot and head to where they believe that Jesus and his apostles are going. And as it turns out, some of the crowd actually beat the boat across the lake. So when Jesus arrives, he gets off the boat, and once again there's this large crowd on the other side waiting for him. And Jesus shows compassion for the people. He ignores his own tiredness, his own hunger, once again, and he ministers to the crowd. Instead of showing impatience, Jesus welcomes them and ministers to their need. In particular, he teaches them, he heals them, as we've seen, and as we'll get into the scripture next week, he feeds them. That's where the feeding of the five thousand is. What we'll look at next week. And what a wonderful, yet simplistic, model of ministry that we see here. Teaching, healing, and feeding. Surely, as a church, we can do stuff like this today. I mean, we are all teachers, aren't we? I mean, Especially if you are a parent. You have children or grandchildren. You are a teacher. And not only do we teach them the ways... Of life growing up, but we teach them right and wrong. And where do we get our right and wrong from? As I talked about before with our conscience, we learn right and wrong from biblical truth. So we teach them about the Bible, we teach them God's Word, we teach them about Christ. And it's so wonderful to see families in church, and they, when they bring their children, especially. Scripture tells us. To bring our children to Christ. And to teach them in God's way. We're to tell them of God's miraculous works. We read this in the Old Testament. Proverbs, Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. If I had to take a guess, I would say that most of you were all trained In the way of God as a child. And here many of you are, many years later, still living the way of God. We also read about this in the New Testament. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. We come here, and usually we have a reading from the, the Psalms. Sometimes it's an Old Testament reading, but it's usually from the Psalms. We have uh, we sing hymns. Uh, most of the older hymns are the, the, really the, the hymns that I like. But yet we also sing the spiritual song. We sing the kind of the praise, the more upbeat songs of today as well. And we sing with grace in our hearts. So we are still doing what we were trained to do as children. What we were taught to do as children. But we're teachers if we have children. But even if we don't have children, we are still teachers. And we should be introducing our friends and our neighbors and other relatives and encouraging them to come to Christ and come to the church as well. Teaching the gospel isn't that difficult. In fact, as I've said it before, we teach others the gospel by living it. Our actions speak louder than our words. I remember a, uh, a story Dr. Cook told, Dr. Robert A. Cook, from uh, Walk with the King broadcast. and he, uh, he told a story about how he went into a store one day and bought some uh, cassette tapes, I believe it was. And when he got out to his car, he realized that he was undercharged for the items. I don't remember what the price. Let me say they were $12.50, and he was only maybe charged $2.50, or something like that. So he went back into the store and went up to the clerk and explained the error the clerk made. The clerk replied, I didn't make a mistake. I just wanted to see if you practice what you preach. And what a wonderful testament to the gospel. You may teach the words, but do you live out the actions? Do you live out what you teach in your actions? And that is no doubt for sure someplace where we all can use some work. But teaching, that's something that Christ did as a model of ministry. That's something we can do. Healing. Christ had the power and gave the power to his disciples to heal. But what about us? Do we have the power to heal today? Well, some of our uh, charismatic friends would, would say that we do, and they would argue that we do. I'm not so sure about that, the way many people describe it, or the way Christ had the power to heal, or his disciples had the power to heal. But I do know that God still has the power to heal today as he did in the past and as he will in the future also. So how do we heal people? Well, we can pray for them. We can pray for their healing. We can pray for healing of others. We can pray for the healing of ourselves. And we can also minister to those people that are sick. Everyone likes a home-cooked hot meal once in a while. Everyone needs their house cleaned periodically. Everyone likes to be visited. Everyone likes to chit-chat. Some people like to receive and write letters, cards. Everyone needs some maintenance on their homes. And especially whenever you are ill, chronically ill, or terminally ill, it's very difficult to function in normal everyday life. It's difficult to do the things you have to do. So we, as friends, neighbors, relatives, and as Christians, can do whatever it is that we can do to help others. And yeah, we may not be able to directly, you know, heal them with any power that we have, but we can pray for their healing. And we can help them, minister to them as they heal. And finally, feeding. As we'll see next week, Christ was able to feed 5,000 with just some bread and fish. Today, we can feed people easily as well. And especially here in the United States. Probably one of the more easier ministries we can do. Because we have an abundance of food here. And one of the things, uh, I work at a school district, of course, and one of the things that bothers me is wasting food. It really does. I, and I don't go out to eat much because I cannot eat what the restaurants serve us. I cannot eat that much. That's usually two or three meals for me. And I do not like wasting food. But one of the one of the things with the, the school district is the students are required to have a certain amount of food, a fruit, a vegetable, a grain, they're required by law to have so much. Now, a lot of kids don't like to eat apples, for example, or whatever, but they're required to take an apple, and oftentimes those apples just get dumped into the garbage, and that that hurts me when I go over there and I see that, uh, because the government is forcing them to take that, but yet they're wasting it. And this is one of the easiest ministries that we can do. As I said, we have an abundance of food here in the United States. And not just an abundance of food, but obviously delicious food. And a wide variety of food. Much of the rest of the world lives off of rice at every meal, for example. Where they eat the same thing for every meal. What can we do? Well, we can donate money to these places to feed poor people or even the, you know, around the world, or even local food banks, or soup kitchens, or whatever. We can volunteer at these places. There are many poor and needy people out there. But there's also people that, that maybe, especially now with the economic situation, are just going through a difficult time. They're not, you know, um, they haven't always been poor. They maybe used to work, but their, their factory closed down, they lost their job, or whatever, and and now they just need a little help. Maybe they just need a meal here or there. Listen to the words of Leviticus 25, chapter 25, verse 35. If one of your brethren becomes poor and falls into poverty among you, then you shall help him like a stranger or sojourner that he may live with you. What a wonderful thing that would be If we opened our doors to people today, and here they're referring more to other church people, but friends and family, open your doors to them. Can you imagine if we all lived like that? No one would be hungry. No one would have need. It would all be provided for. It would all be taken care of. This is exactly what Jesus did. He taught, he healed, and he fed. Isn't that what we ought to do too? Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that's what we need to do for our salvation. That's not at all the case. Jesus took care of that. I'm simply saying that if we truly serve Christ, we would want to do what he did. And that's what we can do. Now, I know that this is a busy world and busy times in all of our lives. I know that we're tired oftentimes, we get worn out, and it seems like when someone maybe interrupts your schedule, how do you react? Do you react with annoyance, impatience, or do you view it as an opportunity to minister to that person, to maybe teach them, to provide healing to them, to provide food for them? Living the Christian life means living like Christ. And Christ obeyed the Father's will. Deuteronomy chapter 10 verse 12 says, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord our God, to walk in all His ways, and to love Him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul? That's what the people of the Old Testament were to do. That's what Christ did. And that's what we need to do today as well. Yes, we may be weary. We may be tired. And do we need rest? We absolutely do need rest and peace in our lives. So that we can simply be rejuvenated by Christ. So that we can continue to minister to His people. Do we need rest? You bet. But we can find our rest in God. Let us close with a word of prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our time in your word this morning. Help us to take what we have learned and apply it in our lives. Strengthen us so that we may live as Jesus did. Teaching, healing, and feeding others. Give us the strength and the rest that we need for your service, all so that you may be pleased, honored, and glorified.